In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It is great for us to be gathered at this time of the year. This is a joyful time. It's a time to rejoice. But we can't start today without thinking of also what a broken humanity we live in. You see, the incarnation, the birth of Christ, that was the starting point of his ministry, crucifixion, and then resurrection, was because humanity was broken. And there is no greater brokenness than what we've seen happening over the last few days. Whether it was in, in Sydney, with the tragic death of two people who were going about their day as they had probably for years. Or even more horrifically, in Pakistan, where 130 innocent children were killed just for going to school. But still, even with that, and while we pray not only for the, the repose of those souls, but we pray for their families whom they've left behind, we must continue to have hope. Hope in a beautiful humanity. It doesn't start as beautiful, but it becomes beautiful. And it becomes beautiful through God. The reason that he came and took flesh, as Saint Athanasius reminds us, was that so he, in taking our form, could make us more like him. He took our limited human form, our limited humanity, so that he could then raise us to the beauty of everything he stands for and everything he wants to give us. And that's why we need to have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ himself. There is a beautiful tradition of gift giving at this time of year. And the reason is, the most important reason, is that in giving, we remember the incredible gift given to us by God himself in the Incarnation. Who saw our brokenness, who saw our defilement, who saw our sin, and said to us, I'm not going to leave you there anymore. I'm not going to sit back and watch. I created you to be holy. I gave you everything you needed, including and especially my image and likeness, and I am going to restore you. But that joy needs an element of obedience from us. It needs for us to say, Lord, if you're going to do this for me, if you're going to change my life, if you're going to restore me, then I must listen to you. I must follow what you want. I must be yours. 
and whatever you ask of me, I will do. Our Lord wants us to be his and his alone. And that's why First Epistle of St. John, chapter 5, verse 21, there's a very, very simple message to us. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You were created for God. You were created in his image and likeness. So keep yourself for him. Don't let anything corrupt you. Don't let anything change you. You were built, created, made, molded beautifully. So make sure that nothing changes that beauty. Don't change yourself so that your focus changes as well. Because what happens with us is when we change our lives, change the dynamic of our lives, change our focus, then we change everything about ourselves. When we stop looking up, seeking God, aspiring to be godly, and we start looking down, we lose. Our focus changes. Our direction changes. Our priorities change. We forget God. When we become worldly, as we've seen so many examples, we can pray for what is worldly. But once we have received it, achieved it, then we just move on. Just on a, on a comical note, I don't know if any of you focused on my tweet that I sent on Sunday. It was on our way back from our Christmas trip to Prague. We were on the bus watching Cool Runnings. Right? Please don't ever tell me I'm not cool. Right? We were watching Cool Runnings. And there was a, a beautiful blast of inspiration and wisdom there where one of the actors says to one of the main characters, if all you want to do is win, then you have to keep winning. And that's how we work in our lives. If all we want to do is win, we always have to win. And the minute somebody else wins, we're upset. The minute we don't win, we're upset. The minute something gets away of us winning, we're upset. But that's not godly. God actually says to us to place us as others before us. God actually says to us to walk the extra mile, two miles, more. He says to us to give of ourselves more than that which is even expected. And that's what we have to do. We don't want to be those who pray for things. And once we've received them, we forget what we're doing. This is a time of year where everyone is reckoning. We're all sitting and assessing. We're either assessing last year or looking forward to next year. So we pray for things. And I'm sure we all have things to pray for. Whether it's um, marks, work, relationships, material needs, um, a promotion, a good result, whatever it is. We all have something to pray for. And that's not bad. 
it's actually very good. We should have things to pray for. God says to us that we should pray for everything we want. He even tells us to pray unceasingly. He tells us to ask and we'll be given. But let's not ask and that's it. Because if our prayers and our relationship are just about asking, if this year's assessment now is just about what I want for next year, then the minute I have nothing to ask for, I stop communicating with God. And there's a reminder in Deuteronomy 8, warning us, saying that, be careful, lest when you have eaten and are full, you have built beautiful homes and dwell in them, when you have, all you have is multiplied, you have lifted up, then you forget the Lord. Imagine, when you have all these things, you just forget Him. Because it's dangerous for us to go down that road. If our assessment of ourselves this year is, what do I want for next year? Then if I'm getting what I want, that's good. The minute I don't want anything else, then I stop asking. The minute I'm frustrated with asking, I forget God. And my relationship changes. My relationship just goes the other way. I forget that this is a time of rejoicing in Him coming into my life. Not because of what He brings, but because He has come into my life. I'm sure that we all, most of us, hopefully all of us, have grown out of the stage of life where when someone comes to be with us for Christmas, for any feast, if they haven't bought a gift, then we don't like them anymore, or we don't give them as much attention, or we don't value them anymore. Because we realize that relationships are far more important than material gifts. It's a realization we come to with life. It doesn't mean that a good gift goes astray. Let's, let's, let's be honest about this. Everyone likes a nice gift. But that's not the priority. If we follow the same principle with God, and we thank Him, and we rejoice in Him, and we glorify Him when He gives us exactly what we want. And then all of a sudden, either if He doesn't give me what I want, or if I no longer want anything right now, then I disassociate, I distance myself. That can't be the relationship we're seeking. The greatest gift is a gift that is continuous in our lives. Starting with the incarnation and the birth of our Lord, moving into his ministry as an example for us, then moving into his incredible sacrifice, even ascending to the cross, and then his glorious resurrection. His gift is continuous. It's not just at one stage of our lives, but it is a gift at every point of our lives. 
It's an important gift. It's a gift that we rejoice in. We need to step out of the relationship with God that only wants and asks and desires and consumes. And that's all. <laughs> Nothing else. That's why we're asked in the first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now, it doesn't say rejoice when things are good. Rejoice always. But we're going to have some difficult times, yes? Still rejoice. What could I rejoice in? Seriously. If I don't have what I need, what can I rejoice in? That's when we go back to what we just said now. Rejoice in what we have been given and are granted continually. Rejoice in the Incarnation. Christmas, Feast of Nativity, birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, should be a celebration that goes on for the whole year. These days just mark it. They commemorate it. But actually, we should rejoice in it and be thankful for it always. Because it's always there. It's always with us. This is the thing that was the starting point of our being restored. So when we hear rejoice always, why and how would I rejoice? Because what you have been given and what you have is so much more relevant and valuable. Goes on to say, pray without ceasing. So I've got to rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Why? Because when you rejoice always, you remember to speak to the one who has given you these wonderful gifts. When I rejoice in my new humanity, when I rejoice in my new start, when I rejoice in this renewed hope, then I remember that I need to pray to express that joy, to express that satisfaction, to express that love. I remember that there has been an incredible gift given to me me personally, that no one else could have given me. And it was given to me because I am loved personally. Two things you should be careful of during the Feast of Nativity, during Christmas. Don't make it just about Christmas trees and presents and Santa Claus. Okay? But that's a given. But also, don't make it just about now. Don't make it something that is purely seasonal. Don't limit it and limit its effect 
don't limit the incredible gift we have been given because that gift is transformative. It changed us. Quite often when you see campaigns and movements, they're trying to find a champion. The minute they find the champion to wear their chumper or wear their t-shirt or wear their logo, the minute they find someone who looks like them and takes an element of them, they feel incredibly empowered. Why? Because suddenly, this person, who was of great reputation, has come and took on my identity, looks like me. That's why you have these champions of organizations and people will sometimes pay huge amounts of money to get someone to endorse their product. Or goodwill programs will be so elevated when they get someone who endorses what they do. What happened to us in the incarnation is that our Lord Jesus Christ as God in flesh endorsed our humanity, took on our appearance. And so suddenly, this humanity that was broken, corrupt, failed, was suddenly restored. The image and likeness was no longer just on the inside. The image and likeness, as much as we could as humans, also became external. He looked like us. He walked like us. He lived like us. He struggled, except against sin. He struggled physically like us. He felt pain like us. He died in flesh like us. But then, he raised us like him. And that was transformative. That's the gift. That's why I rejoice always, and I pray without ceasing, saying, Lord, you're there in my life. But what do I pray and do? It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Lord, I thank you. What do you, what are you thanking me for? I'm thanking you for turning my life around. You've all seen these rags to riches stories, where someone is given one opportunity and their life changes, and suddenly they're prosperous and they're successful, and their life has completely been transformed. And because they've been given that chance, this person becomes a different person. That's what happened to us in our humanity. We've been given that new start. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful because God changed me. Put me back on that track. And let me tell you something very small. That didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. That's available for us today. Through repentance, through confession, through the sacraments. 
even though God raised humanity, we still fall. We still make mistakes. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We still fall. But he is there to say to us, it's okay. It's all right. I've transformed the bulk of your life, the things you couldn't change. From here on, anything is cosmetic. Just a bit of water, a bit of cleaning, and it's gone. Just, it's okay. You've, you've made a mess of your life. It's okay, just repent, confess, turn around, it's gone. And that's why that hope and that transformation is a beautiful thing. Because it means we can fight against all the corruptive elements in our lives. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts from hatred. Even when you think it's justified. Especially when you think it's justified. Sometimes we try to guard ourselves from so many external things that there are things internally my hatred for someone my, my resentment even my lack of love it is sometimes justifiable in my own eyes don't change back to what God changed us from Once God has cleansed us and purified us and, and fixed us, let's not go back to the same brokenness. Let's rejoice in, in this beautiful life. A beautiful life is not a life that is without trouble or torment. A beautiful life is a life that has its foundations on God that's a beautiful life because even if it passes through troubles and torments and struggles and sometimes even failures it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because that life has been transformed can you see why it becomes so frustrating during Christmas when people turn around and say season's greetings it's not about the season. It's about Christ Mass, the birth of Christ. That's what it's about. Because that was transformative. It's not we're just having happy days and holy days. Yes, of course, the days are holy. But that's not what makes them special. What makes them special is we commemorate in them the fact that we were transformed and changed. The fact that when we were without hope, he gave us hope. He gives us hope until today. But there's going to be a struggle. And it'll be a constant struggle. The struggle will be this. That we're going to remember these beautiful things, but then at times we'll forget. We're going to remember to be thankful. We're going to remember 
to be appreciative of everything God gives us. But then sometimes we're going to revert to this worldly desire. We're going to revert to a sinful nature. We're going to be struggling against ourselves. And even even Romans, we read, For what I am doing I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. And what I hate, that I do. Struggle here. And it's a struggle that could be in any of our heads, in any of our hearts. I don't understand what I'm doing. How many of us have gone through it? I just don't understand what I'm doing. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I keep telling myself not to do, those I do in abundance. Why? Why does that happen? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. The answer is simple. My focus is changing. If I was looking constantly at Christ, if I was looking at my transformed self, after everything that had been done to it, everything that happened in it, if I had focused on that, then I wouldn't want to ruin it in any way. I wouldn't want to corrupt it in any way. You know, you've just cleaned something and you don't want anything dirty on it. The frustration of just having washed your car and then being visited by the friendly bird life in the neighborhood. Frustrating. The frustration of, of just been having, having a coat dry cleaned and the wonderful black cab comes and splashes you as you're walking down the road in this wonderful weather we're having. We put so much effort into cleaning and cleansing ourselves. It should be frustrating for us when we lose that. But sometimes it's not frustrating anymore. We just accept it. And we accept it because we don't value ourselves. You know what? This is what I'm capable of. This is what I can do. This is all I will do. So stop telling me anything else. Stop asking of me more than I can do. But you've been transformed. You've been changed. You've been healed. Your life is different. I know, but I have my limitations, and I don't know what you expect of me, so please stop putting pressure on me. God's not putting pressure on us. I'm not putting pressure on you. You're not even pressuring yourself when you're asking of yourself what is right. We're just reminded during these days that we have been transformed. We are a new creation. A new, beautiful creation. And that's why we celebrate whether it's nativity, the birth of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, we celebrate because in all of this we are restored. I want to close with a beautiful verse from the second epistle of the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us 
in triumph in Christ. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. The birth of our Lord was triumph for us. It was victory. Victory over death. Victory over Satan. Victory over sin. Victory over our own corrupt selves. Victory over our weaknesses. Because in his birth, he restored us. In his birth, he took on our appearance to give us his holiness. And in his birth, he gave us all a beautiful new start. Don't worry if you make a mistake. Don't worry if you mess it up just a little bit. Because he has also given us the means in his repentance, confession, sacraments, life of righteousness. He has also given us the means to cleanse and restore and maintain this beautiful newness of life that he has given us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.